the, my general advice, I start with uh, know how you make money and what margin that you want out of, out of your business. Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. In a world where some may argue that there is already a glut of advertising agencies, one man argues that there's still room for a kick-ass agency to thrive. His first book was The Leverton Pitch, Buy This Book, Win More Pitches, and now has been followed up with his latest tome that champions this idea, titled How to Build a Kick-Ass Advertising Agency. The book provides everything you need to build all sizes of agency, from one person to multinationals. His experience in managing the world's largest advertising agency, building his own agency, founding two internet companies, and consulting with hundreds of ad agency clients to help build a happy, healthy unignorable, successful lead generation agency. Please welcome to Managing Marketing, a man I call the agency whisperer, Peter Leverton. Peter, welcome to uh, welcome to the podcast. Yes, I'm whispering today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love that idea of the agency whisperer. You get up in the CEO's ear and you go, you know what, you've got to do better. <laughs> right. Well, do something. Well, that's true. Look, um, I have to tell you, I really do believe sometimes we have a glut of advertising agencies because as, as a pitch consultant, we like to, in any market, get to know the full breadth of the agencies in that market so that we can make a really informed recommendation to our clients. But there are so many agencies, it's, it's virtually humanly impossible. I'm waiting for AI to help me do it, to stay across the number of agencies. Uh, I don't know what the number is. I, I, I read something this morning. Uh, I always use the number 4,000 because it sounds reasonable. But uh, I just read from uh, another uh, wonderful advertising agency, search consultancy, that there are 40,000. Now, who knows what the number is? Uh, you know, the reality today uh, is that we now have multinational agencies with thousands of employees. I assume they still have thousands of employees. I don't know, it might be much less than that uh, right now. Uh, and then we have uh, single individual purveyors who might be an expert in SEO or guess what? Um, artificial intelligence. So when you add it all up, I'm betting uh, you know the single guy in uh, Chiang Mai and the multinational in London, uh, you name it, it maybe it is 40,000. And if you, you know, that's a lot. Right. Uh, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, um, and, and then when, as you say, when we talk about advertising agencies, we're not just talking about creative agencies, it's media, there's sales activation or, or shopper activation, PR uh, often weave, weasels their way into it with uh, services that were traditionally done by agencies. It's amazing how broad the category has become. Well, I came up in the first chapter of the book, I asked the question, what the hell is advertising? And I, I did it for a couple of reasons because I didn't even, I, uh, sometimes I don't know what the word advertising agency means. Is it a marketing agency? You know, let's fill in the blank. And I'm sure you see this every day. People try to describe what they do or maybe don't do a very good job of that. And I came up with 31 
types of agencies, design agency, digital agency, SEO agency. I mean, you know, you could figure out there are uh, at least 31. And I'm not sure uh, when I finished writing the book if, if, if I actually added in uh, artificial intelligence agency, which frankly, if I was had a blank sheet of paper today, I might make that my agency. I'd certainly get attention. Yeah. Well, anything with uh, AI attached to it seems to get everyone's attention this week. I mean, last week it was, I think, uh, uh, the metaverse, and the week before that it was uh, <laughs> DE&I. So, you know, we are an industry that loves the new or, or loves to uh, grab hold to, of the latest to try and get attention. This new is going to stick. This will be interesting. I think I'll be um, long gone or fishing in um, Bermuda uh, when somebody uh, really figures this stuff out. But I'm, uh, I, I, I view artificial intelligence as a major positive. Trinity P3. Now, one of the things uh, I've noticed about this new book is it seems to be the perfect companion piece to your first book, which was about how to win pitches. This is much more about how to build a really successful agency that gets growth, not necessarily just through pitching, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I thought about what... <laughs> One day I woke up and I said, I know a lot of stuff. I talked to a lot of agencies. I've been in the business forever. I started in New York. I worked at Saatchi in London. You know, I mean, I've got all that kind of stuff. Plus, I probably coached, I don't know, pick 100 agencies uh, in terms of a number. And I thought, all right, let's just do a, uh, I don't know if this is the best word, a brain dump. Um, let, I'm just going to say everything I ever learned that I think works in advertising. And I tried to create a book that works for... Um, uh, you know, a WPP agency CEO, although uh, uh, let me put an asterisk there and I'll come back to that in a second, as well as the individual person starting an agency somewhere. Now, wh why the asterisk? Uh, I get incoming, uh, can you help us? Can you help us figure out our marketing, our positioning, uh, yada, yada, you know, how do we handle our remote staff? I get those questions. I never, ever get them from multinationals. And I think a core reason is uh, either they're so deep into their own head or uh, they won't admit that they're heading down a road to failure. Uh, so I've never really figured out, you know, why the type of incoming I get for my business. And I'm sure you're, you have a similar um, question periodically. Why this type of company? Why not that type of company? Well, I have noticed, and, and it's been written about a lot in the trade media, about the rise of the, the indie agency, the independent agency. And we've noticed that marketers that who in the past, you know, what's the, uh, the elephant screws elephants, big clients choose big agencies. But now they're becoming much more open to, well, we're not really just interested in the big agencies. We're actually more interested and we're willing to take a perceived risk with the indies because they're actually seeing the benefits of the owner of the agency with skin in the game actually running the agency and they see the benefits. And I think COVID and the, the global pandemic where suddenly this idea of face-to-face -face, um, uh, account management moved to the the virtual world um, really changed their perceptions of that. Have you seen a similar sort of pattern? 
Well, I, I, yes. I mean, I can, go, I can go both ways when it comes to large agencies. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. So once upon a time, and this was a while ago, when I ran um, business development at Saatchi and Saatchi, and I always like to say the original Saatchi and Saatchi, right? <laughs> that that yeah. one. And uh, I would get asked a question. We'd, we'd, we'd be setting up a pitch for a client, and they, one of the things we would hear is, well, you, you guys are too big. Okay, we'll yeah. get lost. So one pitch I did uh, where I was actually going to run the business, not only pitch it, but run it, which is always a mistake for a business development uh, person, you know, right? <laughs> Lose sight yeah. of the objective. Anyway, uh, so we invented an agency, Levitan, Keishan, and Johnson. And I, I didn't pitch Saatchi and Saatchi. I mean, they obviously knew who we were, but we, we pitched this little tiny group. And yeah. um, we didn't happen to win that pitch, but I thought it was a brilliant idea. They should have hired us. Um, so yes, I, yes, there's, um, a, a, there are a lot of clients that feel the need for large. They still want lots of dots on the map. You know, can you sell us into, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, South Africa and France? And, you know, they may, may need that. Um, however, and I'll, I'll give a pitch out to one of my, one of my friends, uh, an agency called London, which is a great name for an agency. Yep. And their pitch is essentially one big idea can travel the world. Yep. No, they're don't, a good agency, aren't they? Yeah, they're very, they're very good. They're, uh, as you know, I'm willing to admit some ex Saatchi guys. So we all, we all learned very well many years ago. I probably forgot most of what I learned anyway by now. <laughs> the other thing that's happened though to that to that point is the rise of the indies is now the indie networks. You know, we've now got a, a, at last count about nine that I know of of these networks or, or collectives that are picking up. Uh, indies in each of the marketplaces and and cobbling it together as a uh, as a network for those clients. Well, I just I was looking this morning at agency names, um, uh, and again, I you know I don't want to do the boring uh, inside my book uh, deal, but you know That's of course fine. I'm going to say that. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Um, I have a chapter on how to buy and sell agencies, and within that chapter, it's a lot of a lot of information on how do you name an agency. And um, uh, so there are different types of agencies. So I was looking at a name today called The Monkeys. It might even be an Australian agency, is it? It is. Yeah, they got bought by Accenture. All right. So so here's the deal. So I thought, oh, The Monkeys, I'll go check them out. Maybe they have a funny website. It's a cute name. But when you look at their name, the monkeys under it in tiny in a tiny font, it says uh, an, an Accenture agency, which completely uh, mitigates, takes away any coolness from the name monkeys. You know, it's like, sorry guys. But it's funny you should bring that up because the original name was the Three Drunk Monkeys. Ha ha ha. Okay. And we uh, ran a, a pitch that they won for a, and I won't say which, uh, alcoholic beverages company. And part of the deal was they could only be appointed if they dropped the drunk from their right. name because <laughs> the um, the client said, you know, for responsible serving of alcohol, we can't have an agency that uh, encourages uh, excessive uh, consumption. Right. Well, here, uh, to that point, again, I was, I was thinking about something earlier today for a client, so I was making some notes. Um, uh, you're well aware of the agency, uh, Zulu Alpha Kilo. Yeah. I love Zach. All right. And so I, I, uh, I was looking, uh, they're brilliant in many ways. One is their, their website, which has been consistent for a long time. 
uh, has just a couple of fabulous videos on it, uh, funny videos. And um, one of the things it says somewhere in the, on the website, why are we an advertising agency? And um, uh, the agency says, to write off alcohol as a business expense. <laughs> and I went, uh, well, okay, all right, I get it. Well, look, and one of the things I really admire is the consistent way they've addressed industry issues and been able to share their perspective on everything from uh, RFPs to awards and and uh, and being uh, acquired by you know uh, mergers and acquisitions in a very humorous way that really strongly makes the point. And there's not a lot of agencies that are willing to do that, you know, take that position, but also execute it with some humour. And it's funny, isn't it, that agencies are great at giving their clients advice on, you know, the power of humour, the power of creativity, and yet so few actually use those uh, tools to promote themselves. There's a fear uh, of alienating a, a future client because you're doing something that's a bit too edgy. And of course, any, any sound marketer, if you put them in the room, would say, well, we want to be distinctive, and if we can find a way to be distinctive, that's good for us. Uh, on the other hand, agencies, uh, as, as we've discussed, that have a capabilities list that uh, you know, says we can do 40 things for you, um, dilutes any sense of distinction. Uh, humor is one way, and it's certainly Zula Alpha Kilo, and, and another agency up there in Canada I point to all the time, John Street, wh whose, whose premise is that we'll, we will make your brand unignorable, um, is in fact, or has been, an unignorable agency. So these are guys that are carving out a space and not worrying about if there's any alienation. How do you say that word? You got you. you have alienation. To, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Trinity P3. Here's the weird thing, and that is you will never get 100% of the market. With so many competitors, no agency could ever become a monopoly. Okay? Yeah. So why are they trying to be everything to everyone and not alienating anyone when all the evidence is that the balance is often you know, do it done well? You can alienate 50%, but the other 50% become lovers or you know, 20% and the other 20% become lovers. This idea of alienation, the only time it doesn't work is when you actually manage to offend everyone, and even that's quite difficult. I know, I've tried. <laughs> well, I, I, I enjoy offending. Uh, I'm being cautious here. Um, I, I'm trying to, to be a, a nice human. Um, but I think sometimes uh, being slightly offensive actually does, in fact, work. Now, again, doesn't work. Uh, what, you know, we, how, do, how do you define offensive? That's a tough one. I, you know, one, one thing I'll, I'll say is, uh, is agencies, I think, uh, too often do not actually understand the mindset and the persona of the uh, chief marketing officer or the CEO or whoever's going to be their client. Um, I've had conversations with, and you, you have many more conversations with client types than I do, where they say the agency just doesn't seem to act like a business person. They don't understand yeah. that um, we're not looking for, uh, yes, we want a, quote, advertising agency, unquote, 
but we need, and this sounds hackneyed, we need a business partner. And many agencies that are run by a certain type of human being are not coming out of the business world and therefore cannot have that cogent, meaningful conversation. So that, that's a failure that I see sometimes. Uh, I, do you see that in the marketplace? Absolutely. And, and just to go back, I don't think it's about being offensive. I think it's being provocative. What, okay. you, what we should do, we may offend people, but the purpose is not to offend. The purpose is to provoke a reaction or provoke a thought or provoke a point mm-hmm. of view, right? So just to cover that off, I, okay. I think we both strolled into, as you say, <laughs> uh, cautious territory. But yes. let's talk, you know, I think it's good to provoke a reaction. In fact, that's what we want from advertising is to provoke some sort of reaction, okay? Secondly, Yes, um, the number of marketers that have said we want a business partner, but when I've delved into that conversation, what they really mean is they want a commercial partner. And and let me explain from my perspective the way I interpret that differently. I, I know it's a little nuanced, but a business partner sounds like someone that's in this and got the same skin in the game and, and you know, is when that rarely happens. You know, clients are rarely willing to share profits with their agency they they still want to pay them a fee because mm-hmm. sharing their profits is a, a slippery slope so they don't really want a true business partnership they want a partner that is commercially cognizant of the realities of the business so someone that's not going to come to them with a a, a, a really expensive idea to solve a very small problem you know they want that sort of commercial reality and, and that commercial thinking in helping them align the advertising and the advice that they're giving to the commercial realities of the business. Uh, I, I'll agree, absolutely. I think it's one of the reasons why we see companies like Accenture and the other um, consulting companies actually um, being invited into the C-suite, which used to be what happened uh, in in the advertising world. I mean, I, I actually had been, for a couple of clients, invited to board meetings and pointed to in the meeting where they said, so Peter, tell us about our consumers, right? Uh, I'm not sure that that happens very much anymore. Uh, it might happen with an Accenture company and, you know, name the other giant uh, consulting firms because they are in fact invited to the C-suite. So I, I, you know, that's, I'm not, I haven't really seen much writing about that problem issue opportunity in the past few years. You, you may come across it more than, certainly more than I do. Um, why are, I'll, I'll turn it around to you. Why, why are agencies not invited into the boardroom anymore? Well, I think, yeah, I think um, the, the answer to that is the fact that particularly the big holding company network agencies, the types of people that end up country managers or regional managers are often the really good account management person. But they're not someone that's necessarily run a business or had that commercial experience of running a business because most of the holding companies really get their country managers to look after clients, drive revenue, and they're told how to control costs. You know, you'll hear... Uh, about uh, recruitment freezes, salary freezes. So it's really some regional finance person telling them how to run their business without them having the reality of that commercial experience. And the reason I say that is the number of independent agencies that I've worked with or, or been involved with 
that have been working in the holding companies or the network agencies go off and start their own business. And you notice within two to three years, their attitude towards business fundamentally changes because when you're running your own business, you suddenly get a much more broader understanding of all the commercial realities of what business means, which you don't get when you're working in an advertising agency. Yeah, and I think that's a lesson because I, th- you know, one of the th- one of my personal things, Peter, is you know when I started, it was called account service, then it evolved into account management. I think we're in an era where we should be thinking about it as account leadership, and what I mean by that is training our account people to be able to offer commercial leadership to their clients, help the CMOs with how to navigate the commercial realities of the business from a advertising marketing perspective. You know, whether we train them with MBAs or recruit people that have got that commercial experience into the agency, rather than just finding the best account servant to <laughs> promote to a senior role. Right. Well, you know, there was, uh, in when I went to the UK, there were... Um, uh, a couple of things happened. I had never met an account planner before. So this was, a, you know, we used to have research departments in New York, but this was an account planner. So that was fabulous. And the other, the other term that I thought was fabulous, I loved it, was that I became an account handler. That was right. And uh, so I, the account. <laughs> yeah, I try to imagine what kind of handling I was supposed to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, back to my book, because I, I, I try to make a major point about this. Um, I have two chapters, client management and the savvy account manager. And yeah. uh, so uh, I, I uh, talk about why clients leave a good agency and they often leave because of poor service. Um, you know, because uh, agency A, agency B could probably do the job. Service is often the uh, differential between a client being happy and not being happy. The problem we have today is um, there are virtually no training programs. So you have an account manager that is not even being trained in learning how to listen. Uh, I was trained in something called active listening. I mean, I can even though I talk a lot, I can't shut up and listen. You know, it's it's like I, I've told my kids when they were younger, um, you know what you know, but you don't know what they know. So you don't have to be the person with the drink at the cocktail party that has to be talking endlessly, right? Or, or yeah. the worst thing is waiting for that second so that you can dive into the conversation. You know, just shut up and listen. That's not taught to account managers right now, as, as well as something that's not taught, and this is a terrible term, but I'll use it, <laughs> why not? Uh, upselling or saying, yes. oh, we have a new idea for you, right? Um, I mean, th- there are some agencies, uh, let's just use AI again, uh, that have been ahead of the curve. So when the client wakes up in the morning and says, what the heck is this? They, they have a white paper or they have an answer, right? Uh, if you go on LinkedIn and you, you look at who are ge- who's generating the most views and comments right now, uh, it's for people that have carousels, which is a new thing on LinkedIn, carousels that say, here are 10 new AI tools that'll make your life better. Yeah. I don't see agencies doing that. I see individuals doing it. It's quite, quite interesting. Yeah. And yet, you know, this is where I talk about account leadership is, you know, getting on top of these issues and providing a leadership perspective, a thought leadership or, a, you know, to help clients navigate these yeah. issues because there's so many of them, you know. Um, 
as as we said earlier, you know, there's AI is the big topic of the month, and and uh, at Khan, yeah, everyone, every, virtually every session apparently had AI somewhere in the title, but there are so many <laughs> other issues that marketers are dealing with. You know, data privacy is is a big issue. Uh, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how that works from a marketing perspective. You know, in the environmental issues around uh, contribution. You know, the sort of counterintuitive. We work in an industry that drives demand and consumption, and at the same time, uh, taking on a responsibility for being um, reducing greenhouse gas effects. You know, and, and contributing to climate change. There's so many issues marketers are dealing with at the moment. Agencies should be stepping up and offering thought leadership in those areas. Yeah. And it's, you know, frankly, I, I, I'll, I'm going to say I'm a pretty good thought leader, right? I've had, I have almost 900 blog posts. I've written white papers when I had my agencies. Uh, I, I've had uh, two or three different versions of podcasts. I like to be a podcast guest, by the way. Thank you. Uh, ways to get the word out. It's not that difficult, and, and a, a great uh, tool right now is AI. I'll go on ChatGPT and I'll ask a question. So I'm going to uh, soon write a, start writing a book about the baby boom generation, and I ask the question, what are the major issues confronting the baby boom? And then I'll follow up with another question. And uh, it spits out what is ultimately going to be the basis of thought le leadership of a new book I'll write. Well, this can be, you know, there are so many ways today to uh, use AI as a information generation tool. I, not the best words, but that'll yeah. not, that won't go anywhere. Um, no. uh, so it is a very, it's a really good tool to, um, if, if you have an automobile client and then they have a problem, ask, you know, ask Bard, uh, Google's Bard, uh, uh, to talk about it. Uh, now, I'm not saying you're gonna copy this and paste it into a blog post, that's nightmarish and silly. But um, it can at least set you up with some of the issues, and it's a it's a time saving tool. But don't you find your best thought um, leadership pieces are the ones where you take a particular position or you have a particular point of view on something? Because I've shared that you know, I'm, like you, I've um, I, I produce quite a significant amount of content around the things that we learn doing the work we do. But when agencies ask me about it, they go, oh, we couldn't do that because we may upset someone. You know, there's this fear that they have about actually sharing their perspectives and points of view, even if they have oh, them, please. for fear of upsetting people. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I have a, uh, one of my clients right now is a, uh, t a TV video production company. And yeah. so they've shared with me, so this is not an advertising agency, but they've shared with me there are 30 competitors that all sound alike. And I, uh, so we're, we, we were talking yesterday about how can they jump ahead of thought leadership. And I'll, I hope they don't, uh, you know, they'll listen to this podcast. Hopefully they won't call me up and slap me around for, sh for sharing an idea I shared with them yesterday. I said, why don't you do an interview series, one minute interviews with the best uh, TV commercial directors in the business? I said, okay. Right idea. You know, uh, you don't even have to do very much. These guys want to talk and uh, do a one minute interview, split screen. Uh, you know, of course, then they get crazy because it has to look good because they're a video production company. I said, Just don't worry about that. Um, you don't have to work that hard to be smart. Look, you're doing thought leadership right now and I'm benefiting because I'm spewing out my, my stuff and you're getting to look uh, highly intelligent because you chose me to be your guest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is not hard. 
right? That's true. Look, it's not hard, but yeah, you know, I, I I just find this in. One of the things that I worry about the industry is somewhere along the line, you know, and you mentioned Saatchi's. Saatchi's in London had swagger. Yes. And I don't mean that in a toxic masculinity. I mean when Saatchi, anyone from Saatchi walked into the room, there was the sense of self-confidence and purpose that they didn't have to explain why they were there. Everyone knew what they did, right? I think the industry's lost that because I find too often it's all... The attitude that agencies take, particularly in pitches, is a little bit like, you know, oh, excuse me, uh, thanks for inviting us, you know, it's good to be here. Mm-hmm. And and it almost, you know, I think clients are looking for someone that has confidence. I noticed that the CMO of Apple said, if you want to get great ideas, you've got to create confidence in the great ideas, you know, to yeah. make them happen. Yeah. And I think we've we've forgotten to have how to have that swagger. Well, the Saatchi uh, strapline, tagline, I don't know which term you want to use, was nothing is impossible. So yeah. uh, I would I'd Still leave. Still is, by the way. Yeah, uh, great, good. I, I, uh, although I, I'm uh, MNC Saatchi, you know, the, the, where, the, where the brothers are, um, uh, says other things. Um, oh, they had a great one. Rec- uh, this was a couple of years ago. The Brutal simplicity. Yes. Wasn't that fabulous? I think they walked <laughs> away from it. But um, it's like, you know, we're going to... Well, they did because it has a uh, sense of, you know, you're going to punch the hell out of me. You know, just (laughs) brutal is... uh... Yeah. So those are no bullshit guys. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of younger people in the business. Uh, Of course, there are no older people in the business. So, you know, they're all younger people uh, who have not experienced that. Uh, You know, we'll go back to London. And uh, uh, Michael Mazinski, who runs London Advertising, came out of Saatchi... And um, he had he had a case. Uh, that, I don't know if they use it anymore anymore. Uh, a case history system that were three words, and the case histories were in total probably twenty five words. It was like here's the problem, here's the solution, here's the result. I don't need you know. Oh, yep. God, you know. Um, so yeah, I think we had a nice culture. I I, I learned a lot from it. Um, whether it works in today's world is a different story. But yes. Swagger uh, is a good, people asked us to talk to them because we were, uh, I can't say this word, uh, uh, you know, it starts with mother and it ends with an ER. Uh, But, you know, we were, we were good. Now, I just saw, um, I don't know what her title is, somebody from Mischief, the agency Mischief. Um, And it's a video that's up on LinkedIn. And she talked about how many, how many uh, accounts they have to turn down and why. So you have to ask, you know, really, Agencies should look at a mischief and say, what are they doing right? Yeah. And look, yeah, I've actually seen agencies turn down a request to tender and have the client suddenly switch into fear of missing out. They're saying, hang on, what do we need to do to make this agency want to pitch for our business? Yeah. And that's a totally different, Yeah, that's a power shift. You know, it's gone from we're giving you a chance maybe to win our business to, okay, what do we need to do? What's the conversation that makes us an interesting or attractive client for you? Trinity P3. Are you seeing any agencies sending a some form of a questionnaire to a client before they say yes to uh, participating in an RFP? Not a, quest- not a formal questionnaire, okay. but they, a lot of agencies increasingly 
and they're the high demand, you know, they're top of mind. They're the types of agencies that in any market, I will get marketers requesting that we consider them as part of the you know, consideration list. Uh, are, are going through a series of questions, you know, what's this worth? Why is the client pitching? What is the process? How many agencies will be invited to participate? They're asking those perfectly reasonable commercial questions and then evaluating whether they will participate or not based on the responses. And, and some of them have told me, particularly when tenders are being run by procurement, and they get told the answer to those questions is we can't tell you, then they'll obviously refuse to participate. Yeah. How, how do you develop your A-list of agencies? Well, we, a consideration list, we put a long, we spend a long time quizzing and, and discussing with the client what success looks like in, in absolute detail. You know, what is it that's working at the moment or not working? What would success? What are the attributes of the agency? We also getting a sense of the culture of the client through those conversations. And then we have a database um, that we then go to and get a long list. And we've got thousands of agencies on that database. It's free for the agencies. They can update it. But um, then we also go and just do research on top of that to make sure we're not missing any potential agencies. Now, we apply, apply some, um, some factual things around size because, you know, we had a very large tender and putting an agency of two or three people to handle or a client that may require 50 people is just, you know, it's too much of a risk. But we also make sure we include some, you know, outliers, some, uh, you know, ones that would be interesting just to see how they perform for, with, uh, in that process. So we try and challenge the client's thinking a bit by putting some of some agencies, hopefully, that they haven't necessarily considered or even know of. How does an agency get your attention? Um, well, one is that, you know, lots of agencies come to us because we're pitch consultants, mm -hmm. and we ask them to give us that that profile. Uh, really, it's uh, we we try and keep across them by doing a lot of research. Okay, I'll, I'll hear it just... Oh, wait, which is one of the... Sorry, sorry, Peter, it's one of the points, because here, one of the things that drives me crazy, and one of the topics in your book, is about the optimal agency website. And I have to say, most agency websites, I find from a buyer's perspective or a buyer influencer's perspective, are really poor. Yeah. What, well, what's an optimal website from your perspective? Well, I, I, I dive into each, each of the elements. So uh, number one, of course, is the homepage. You know, what is, that, what is the one thing you're going to tell me when I get to your website that is going to make me uh, want to pay more attention to you? Because I, I have some statistics. Uh, you know, people spend six to ten seconds on a website uh, and make a decision, should I stay here or not? And that's why, you know, you, you and I have discussed this, starting out with a sizzle reel uh, of past work is just, it's too amorphous. It's, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of clients don't want to spend time. So tell me right away what it is that you do, and, and I will, you know, use my judgment as a visitor to determine if this is something useful for me, right? I mean, uh, yep. you know, uh, Saatchi didn't have a website in the days when there were no websites, but, but at least the, the, the statement 
um, nothing is impossible, uh, resonated. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the, certainly the homepage, it can be a problem. Um, no personality. Uh, uh, there are most agency websites are bereft of personality and character, which is, as you know, is one of the, one of the ways that a client chooses an agency. If, if they wind up with four agencies as finalists or three, and, and they're all pretty good, uh, it often comes down to chemistry. Well, you can deliver that chemistry up front. It's, it's like the production company I'm working with. Um, the way they conduct their interview will also deliver their own personality. Uh, so there's very little video on uh, on websites. Uh, we talked about Zula Alpha Kilo. They lead with a video. I mean, it's it's pretty good. Um, uh, so there's that. There's the contact page that doesn't ask for doesn't. There's no CTA. There's no call to action. Um, you know, I, I I I probably cover six to eight types of sections of these websites that um, any, any one of which can create a point of difference for the agency. I mean, how do you do a case history? How do you do a, um, a, a you know, a, 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 one of my favorite websites had clients talking, videos of clients talking to the perspective, whoever the visitor to the website was, and they didn't say this agency's great. They, they, they said um, that, um, I, I don't know how to put it in perspective, they had, uh, the agency had their clients saying, I get calls from other agencies all the time. I don't even talk to them. Yeah. They didn't say, oh, they, they sold our candy bar. They say, we won't even have a conversation with another agency, which I thought was, you know, I think compelling in a way, right? Well, yeah, that's what I say to agencies is that I want to get a sense of what's your philosophy and what's your attitude. You know, I've I got a sense of you know, who you are and so, so the big mistake is the ones that try and tell me what they do. Oh, you do advertising. That's really interesting. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you're a media agency. You do media. Now, I'm, and, and then there's um, the ones that just show, use it as a showreel. So you end up you know, waiting for videos to load because almost all their uh, examples are videos. And even then I've had agencies say, well, we can't put our client list because then uh, other agencies will use it as a, um, a stalking and poaching. You know, a, a huge amount of um, of uh, insecurity happening in in the advertising world. Yes, and um, and frankly, uh, not enough creativity. So I'll just say it's two exactly. things: it's, cre it's demonstrating creative thinking, and uh, and uh, uh, asking for the order in a way that somebody says, "Oh, I have to talk to these guys." Absolutely. Trinity P3. One of the other uh, chapters you put in there is show me the money. <laughs> How deep do you go into, because uh, that's, a, for me, a personal um, uh, interest, you know, because a lot of the work we do is about uh, benchmarking uh, and, and developing remuneration uh, f agency fee structures and negotiating those. Yeah, well... So uh, what's the advice you have for uh, agencies on fees? Uh, the, my general advice, I start with uh, know how, the, how you make money and what margin that you want out of, out of your business, right? And that is, that's back to, you know, do you have a business plan? And it can be a one-page business plan. It doesn't have to be a book. Um, understand how you make money and and how you have to charge. And unfortunately, a lot of agencies 
uh, don't do that, you know, because uh, uh, these days, a lot of agencies are just trying to pay the bills. They're just trying to catch up and cover their costs, yeah. right? And you see that all the time. Um, I, I had a kid uh, uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, which I uh, respond to everybody. And um, he wanted to understand, um, he didn't quite understand um, what's, I don't know why my mind is blanking, you know, uh, like a, a monthly fee for the business, right? right. Okay. Like a retainer. A retainer. And a, he said, so does the retainer yeah. include just my cost? This was a high school kid. Fabulous. I right. thought, wow. Okay. Uh, does it, is that, is that an agency's cost or does that include the media spend? And I said, no, that's, that's the agency's cost. The media spend, you know, be yeah. all over the place. All right. Um, so he's just an indication of a kid that didn't get it. I can tell you, I talked to a lot of agencies that don't understand how, how they should make money. Uh, you mentioned something earlier. I think you mentioned this. <laughs> I know you, th you think this is, you know, can you get paid for excellence? Um, yeah. we see often see a great campaign and, uh, and, and the idea could have happened within five minutes. Well, you can't get paid by the hour for a business driving idea. Now, this is a problem has not yet ever been solved in the agency business. How do you get paid for big ideas? Um, I remember having conversations with, with uh, CPG companies, and I would say to them, well, how do we judge this? I mean, is your distribution good? Are your salespeople on the, in the field good? Is your packaging good? Um, why am I responsible for that? You know, because yeah. you could fail. There's so many fail failure points. So, uh, I mean, I'll turn it around. Is there a best way to charge a client? Well, look, the, the thing that I'm excited about is seeing the number of agencies moving to output based pricing, you know, so uh, moving away while it underpins it, they're moving away from the time and labor cost to a here's a here's a project a, a fee for service okay. and that fee is related to the size of the uh, client the, or the brand the value of the brand as well as the underlying cost right yeah um, it's an interesting model and it's one that more and more agencies are at least engaging in but then I find the big uh, again the big network agencies, are still hooked on the cost recovery model. I know what my costs are. I know approximately what my overheads are. I have that profit margin. Therefore, I need to bill each person, you know, 1,800 hours a year or whatever their number is uh, at this rate to actually make margin. Yeah. The, the problem with that continues to be that the, it, it's and the unpaid overtime that drives the behaviours of people working, you know, 60 hours a week so that the agency makes pure profit on that 20 hours because they've discounted the rate overall and they're not making profit the other 40 working hours a week. You know, I think there's a lot of problems with the fee model, but I think we're starting to get some some new uh, approaches. People are buy, buying into these models that were put forward, you know, 10 years ago or more, and now we're getting more and more agencies, and we're very happy. We're, we're happy to consider any type of uh, fee model because ultimately it comes down to does it deliver value for the client, not is it the cheapest. Right. One, one of the things I've written about is how do you, can you, how would you productize your service? And this, yes. this might work better for a smaller agency where a client comes and says, 
I need a social media campaign or I need uh, uh, you know, a certain type of media campaign. And the agency can actually wrap it up in a box and say, okay, this is what we're going to deliver to you. Um, this is, you know, this is our uh, solution and this is what we believe is going to be the outcome and we're going to charge X for it. And there's no discussion of time. The agency has figured out that in order to uh, supply this, that, uh, you know, this is, this is how they're going to cover their costs and, and how they're going to generate a positive margin. Uh, and the client, many times I've, I've heard clients say, you know, if you just gave me the package, I don't, you know, I don't yeah. want to have these conversations about how many people. Exactly. Uh, you know, and it goes on and on and on. And, um, uh, you know, put it in a box. And, 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 and very similar to the output-based pricing. Yes. Yes, in absolutely. The size, of, the size of the box will vary depending on the, the complexity of the deliverables. You know, what's actually yes. required, that will define the box. Right. In well, fact, uh, I think uh, Huge, the agency Huge out of, uh, well, originally out of New York, Brooklyn, has uh, just pivoted to a, a productized model using a consultancy firm out of the UK to okay. help them actually define those those products. And I think, look, it's, you know, I think any innovation has to be better than the flawed approach that we have at the moment. Yes. I well because I because the the current mo the current model just go, you know, it, it's the race to zero in I, many I, cases. I'm gonna bet that you've had Michael Farmer on your podcast. Yes, I have. Okay. I know Michael well. He just launched a book on the um uh, on the huge Yes, exactly. It's called the Madison Avenue Makeover. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, his uh, you know book from a couple of years ago, which I thought was a brilliant title, was Madison Avenue Manslaughter. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. So uh, yeah, I, uh, so I'm, I'm familiar with the huge thing, and I and I, I probably need to study it. And uh, if Michael listened to this, yes, I'll buy the book. Michael, you buy my book. I'll review your book, uh, and uh, vice versa. By the way, getting reviews for books is very interesting, <laughs> or, or not getting. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole nother deal book marketing uh, it's all part of uh, book marketing author author marketing yes exactly peter it's been it's been great having this conversation unfortunately we've uh, we've run out of time good i just really want to thank you the the book is called how to build a kick-ass advertising agency and uh if it's half as good as your previous book um i think everyone should anyone that's running an agency big or small multinational or single person operator should be uh looking to get their hands on a copy Thank congratulations you. on putting it together thanks for the nice words no it's my pleasure oh look before you go i have got a question for you and that is um have you ever had an agency that you've consulted with that just never takes your advice mm -hmm.